What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The volume. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code Jenkins to sign up. New customers can bet $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code Jenkins. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling by calling 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Welcome to Jenkins and Jones on the Volume Podcast Network. It is Friday, September 15th, and we're going to jump straight into it. We are uh, very excited to be joined by a special guest today, the one and only Bomani Jones. Bo, thanks so much for hopping on with us. We appreciate you. You know, it's really weird uh, to be announced just as my name because I ain't got no job. <laughs> like, I, I was I was getting ready for the wind-up, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, we're going to run through all these things. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Let me check my notes. Things. You can Why? find Bomani on Twitter. And... I'd be, be out here, dog. That's where you can find me. I'd be out here. Outside. Outside. Are you fun employed? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got a lot going, though, right? 
So, fun employed is interesting because I always say, like, it's fun employment when you're still getting checks. Like, when you lose your job, the first two weeks is still fun employment because you mm-hmm. get a check two weeks after that. And in this one, I had, like, some vacation or whatever. I got that. It's cool. Uh, I'm just a little bored. That's, like, I got <laughs> ideas in the hopper and I got time to work on some stuff. Normally, in a time like this, I go on a world tour. I didn't do the world tour this year. You know, so like I got things to work on, but it's like it's a different level of ambition on what it is. And so it's a bunch of stuff that I don't really know how to start. So mm-hmm. I got a bunch of like stuff on the notepad on the phone that's like full of stuff, but I don't quite know like fully how to turn it over. But I'd be having meetings, you know, like you go to that, like, like I got a meeting. Such that I went this morning to a meeting and I messed up that meeting until next week. But at least it gave me a reason to leave the house. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But we're coming back soon, the right time. Like, I know where the right time is going. I just ain't put ink for paper, sure. so I can't say nothing about it. So it just gets mad awkward. Yeah, yes. So, I know so do, do we have a timeline on the right time returns? Because I, I know you get hit up every day about that shit. Man, I, I assume that probably, like, sometime in October we'll get it back up. Because you know the nature of this game. Like, if you don't get it up by November, you might as well wait till January. And I would like mm-hmm. a check before january i don't need one per se but it would be pretty cool if a check just walked his way over to your boy it's cool to run the score up a little bit that's what yeah, that's what mike calls yeah. it you know what i mean just run the we got you know the check helps to run the score up a little bit baby also, you know what i mean also man anybody that's ever done like a real-time unemployment understands this is something that gets lost everything that you do costs money except going to work right Right, when people be like, yo, I can't wait. I'm yeah, when I ain't got no job, I can do X, Y, and Z. Who gonna pay for that? <laughs> also, when the check, you don't really notice how much you spend till you don't have checks coming in. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I, I I'm aware of it, but it feels a particular way yeah. when it's you know what I mean? Yeah, so when, yeah, I, I get when, that. When for we sure. got laid off from the newspaper, I was on unemployment while we were starting our new thing, and I would walk to the bank to take the money out of their bank to deposit it into my bank instead of driving so that I didn't burn the gas. You know what I mean? (laughs) You're just like, this is it. This is all I got. And I have two kids. I'm walking it across the street. (laughs) Yo, now that you mentioned it though, even going to work, like you, you make a net profit in theory, right? But if you had to right. drive as far as most people drive, like y'all out in L.A., if you had to drive as far as most people have to drive to go to work and you weren't getting a check on the other end, this would be a drain. <laughs> right, right, right. Facts, facts, facts. Fiber optic internet me up, you know, 100 <laughs> percent. Uh, well, but I think the, the, the reason John and Tyler especially wanted to have you on is we've been talking like everyone else sort of nonstop about Deion Sanders. And I know they were curious for your opinion on some of that. Before we start, I have to put my sunglasses and hat on. Because <laughs> this is how I talk to grownups, I guess. This but, man came to a I'm, pod with props, bro. <laughs> what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think of, of uh, Colorado State's head coach saying his mom taught him to take his hat and sunglasses off uh, when he talks to grownups, uh, which obviously was a shot at Dion. All right. I want to start by saying, because I go back with Jiggins. We go back. Like, at this point, we got well over 10 years in the game. Yeah, for when sure. When you think for about sure. it, right? Like, for sure. We're old, 2009. Yeah, we're like old friends at this point. And for you sure. know 
how I know that we're old friends because I'm actually willing to come on here and talk about Deion Sanders. Because y'all may have noticed that honestly, since like January or February, I've been kind of on the this ain't a safe space. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's right, not right, a dude right, who right. lends to reasonable conversations. No, and like I thought I was saying reasonable stuff about him before, and I actually thought I was being like really measured in talking mm-hmm. about him before. And it just went off the rails, right? Like, I've never, I can't think of anything that I have talked about, including, like, Colin Kaepernick, that has been as polarizing and all over the place as talking about Dion. So there's going to be some places when we talk about Dion where I'm going to be like, I'm still thinking about that. Because I actually find the whole situation to be totally fascinating on levels that I think a lot of people are missing. For sure. But I am glad that coach from Colorado State said that about Dion couple reasons one that's a rivalry game in that state rivalry games are supposed to be petty and silly this is what it's supposed to feel like go out there do it say it cool number two this part's very important i have heard a lot of people say that what they love about what's going on with dion is how he's making so many people mad right as love he's making these white folks mad finally one of these white people has actually emerged Cause I ain't seen none of these white people that's been so mad about Deion Sanders. Have you? They right? love him. They love him in Boulder. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like I, I live in Harlem. You know what I'm saying? A Harlem that's still pretty black, and I don't really be interacting with strangers like that no more. So maybe I just ain't been around the right white people. But the white people I know don't really seem to have a problem with Dion. Like people have ascribed this idea because they want to feel better about it, and don't nothing make the culture feel better than making white folks mad. Like, like that's that's. And don't get me wrong. Me too. I'm just not convinced that that is actually happening yeah. in this case. Right. So now we actually do have a mad white man who's come up who just sound like he hating, right? Like that's 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 mm-hmm. all that sounds like is that he's hating. But what he did was tap on into something about Dion. I talked th- uh, about this with Jason Goff the other day, and this is something I want to think more about. But I I I I don't know if we've really stopped and done the math on this. All right. 25, I mean, 35 years ago, and it is 35 years ago because he says he did this before his senior year of college. 1988, Deion Sanders sat in his dorm room and created the brand of primetime, right? Mm-hmm. Looked around. He decided that corners really weren't making that much money, and he was going to figure out how to do it, and he created the brand of primetime. Primetime mm-hmm. went so far as they used to do the walk. Like at Florida State, they do the walk from the dorm to the stadium, you know, to get people charged up. Not Dion. Mm-hmm. Dion for big games, including I believe the Florida game that year, where he that rented a tux. stretch yeah. limo and came out in an all white tux. Yeah. He has been thinking about this since he was twenty one years old. You fast mm. forward to right now, it's the same brand. <laughs> How many brands can you think about that have endured for thirty five years? He's made some decades. Tweets, he's right. made some adjustments. He's added some stuff. He's taken some things out. That dude is on the sideline, and maybe people are talking about this on Twitter. But I haven't seen anybody bring this up. He wearing a gold chain with a gold whistle around it. I assure you, he can't blow in that. Right? right? Like, like, like this, is, this is 35 years of maintaining a brand that is adapted, that is adjusted, that has gone through highs, that has gone through lows, and somehow is a brand that works as a college football coach. Yes. That's um, you- genius. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, I don't understand why Deion is such a big deal. And I think it's just... That simple is that he's fucking cool 
and he's been cool <laughs> as long as we've known him, right? Like, like, and, and the whole thing is he's not the first quote unquote cool football player. Like, you know, we heard For sure. we heard Joe Namath was cool, but the thing is, like, their coolness doesn't transcend errors the way Dion's coolness has, right? Dion is kind of yeah. like the blueprint for the braggadocious, you know, cocky, arrogant, flat, fly, flashy athlete. Cause I look at like old pictures of Namath and, and they're like, oh, he was so cool. He wore a fur coat on the side. Nigga, that, that fur coat looked like the shit that um uh, uh, uh Silky Johnson was wearing at the players' ball. Like that shit ain't cool now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that picture Joe Burrow took with the cigar at LSU, that laps that shit, bro. Like it's, it's right, right, right. for sure. You know for what I'm sure, saying? So sure. yeah. So so I think a big part of why, you know, Dion is such a big deal in the sports world is that like how many cool coaches have we ever had, bro? It's like Pat Riley and him. And that's like it. And Pat Riley was cool in like a way that just appealed to adults. Twelve year old me didn't think Pat Riley was cool. Twelve year old me thought Dion was cool. You know what I'm saying? Well, like I feel like there's been some, right? Like there are different kinds of cool, and there's like a very southern archetype of cool that some different right. people have feel like. I think we've had a ton of charismatic coaches. Yeah. Very but few like, cool coaches. Yeah, well, like Barry Switzer, I think, for example, would qualify as the cool coach. You're right. There aren't that many, because honestly, cool as a commodity is a relatively new concept. Like people our age and a little older in the Dion age, they the first motherfuckers to think that you're supposed to be cool for your whole life. Like you were supposed to maybe be cool, then get a job or go off to the war or something like that, right. and then grow up. And, and all of us are like, "Why would I?" We're hard grow up? bottoms and carry a briefcase and yeah. shit. We still carrying backpacks to yeah. work, nigga. You know yeah, what I'm like, saying? I, I don't wear anything with a hard bottom on my feet. You know, like yeah, like we different. But Dion's cool. The thing about Joe Name is cool is you know Joe Name is cool when he start talking because his cool is cool, right? Dion, his cool is almost hot. Because the difference between him and most cool people are most cool people aren't obnoxious. And <laughs> at his worst and at his most youthful of this, that's an obnoxious dude, right? Like, like, right, right. Really, like, like he wasn't easy about it. He ain't letting the attention come to him like most cool people do. No, he's jumping out in front. But he was famous and cool and revolutionary at, a, I think, a very particular point in time in the American zeitgeist, which is basic cable era where i think in the three channel era you could make the argument that you being in media and stuff was a reflection of your fame the basic cable era made it where it was not just a reflection of your fame but it amplified your fame it spread it out and it made you bigger and so you take that plus a man who has an argument for being one of the 10 greatest athletes of the 20th century in the United mm-hmm. States, which I think has been undersold. I had even forgotten about this, and I grew up a fanatical Braves fan. That dude hit 533 in six games of a World Series. If the Braves had won the World Series in 1992, Deion Sanders would have all the things that he has on his resume right now, plus World Series MVP. Like, I don't think that we can explain to younger people just how famous Deion Sanders right. was. So now mm-hmm. you translate this to this time in college football where all the coaches are boring. Right. None of them are interesting. Mm-hmm. Say what you want about Dabo Swinney. At least he got a personality. At least he give you something to talk about. None of these guys give you nothing to talk about. Ain't nobody going to be writing all these books about these dudes that people wrote about Bo Beckler and Woody Hayes and all of this. They're all the same. They all dress the same. They all wear the same polo. They got sent down from the corporate office that they sell it on the website <laughs> right, that you're going to go see at the golf course that all the white dudes is going to have on. You know what With their New Balance on and their khakis. You right, feel me? Right. And so what Dion has done that I think is actually interesting and quietly kind of old school is turn the coach back into a brand. The coach used to be a brand. The programs around them used to be brands. They're not, they're just boring now. 
Like, like, there's nothing. Kirby Smart's won two national championships. He don't give a damn about Kirby Smart. He don't make you feel good. He don't make you feel bad. He don't make you feel nothing. And Dion is the first coach to come out in a long time to actually make people feel something. What's what's interesting, too, is the sideline for me. Like, the people I'll see on the sideline are people you see on sidelines. Like, Wu-Tang and Cameron on the fucking sideline. Yeah. You know what I mean? He appeals to the nigga in me <laughs> in a particular way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like... Like my sister, after his interview of his first, uh, after his at, at the of the uh, at the uh, TCU win, she says he's such a nigga. I love him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like he appealed, appeals to that sentiment. I have never personally. I mean, there's few people you see that are themselves in that way in public, and I love seeing that. And he's doing that in a space where I didn't think you could be able to do that. Because like you said, even the even the, the, the greats are robots. You know what I'm right. saying? And he's he's prime, even if that's a created personality, it feels genuine to the people watching. Yes. You know what I mean? Well, and so I feel like 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 it's like Cameron being on the sideline. Yeah. That's insane. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And see you. Um, and that's the second widest place I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life behind Coleman, Alabama, which there was not a single other in Coleman, Alabama. <laughs> Boulder is the second widest place I've ever been. You so, know what I mean? So it's just wild. Let me tell you something that's interesting about the sideline now that you mentioned it. It's something that I didn't realize. Like, you know, all the country music people moving to Austin. Like, 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 there was a stretch there where all the country stars lived in Leaving Austin. Nashville, going to Austin? Yeah, like Willie Nelson okay. and his circle of people moved to Austin. And apparently that started with Daryl Royal because Willie was cool with Daryl Royal, the head coach at Texas. And that's when mm -hmm. that move came is that's when people started doing it because Willie's on the sideline, right? Which mm -hmm. is to say, that's kind of how far I got to go back. Like, this isn't the same as mm. Matthew McConaughey, who's just a big fan of Texas. He can get on the sidelines and he goes there. Diaz over there looking at the Red Rock schedule, seeing who played a gig <laughs> last night, and being like, yo, do y'all want to come through? And if you are of a particular age, Deion Sanders is so famous. Like, something mm -hmm. I it didn't really land with me so much when it happened, and I've thought about more now, which is the magnitude of Hammer being on the sideline of those games for the Falcons. Hammer, mm -hmm. at that point, was about as close to Michael Jackson as you could be without being Back. Michael Jackson. He's on the sidelines, not because he's down with the Falcons, because of Dion. Have a game, mm -hmm. Dion, a record deal, and I think they tried to make two albums out of that. <laughs> like, he was that fucking famous. And if anything has happened in these last few months, it's my reminder that, damn, this dude really, really, really was famous in a way that you can't even get that famous now. Yeah. He he was a singular guy. Like like I said, when we were kids, he was a god. He was on as as far as athletes that we idolized. Like he was up there with the MJs and and the Mike Tyson's. Mm -hmm. Like he was on that mm -hmm. tier. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 you know, like I said, I think a whole lot of this just comes back to the fact that you know his, his coolness has transcended decades. Like and he had like hot said, shoes. He had yeah. hot shoes. The, the I, bro, we, we wanted his shoes like MJ's, got, bro. We wanted, bro. We wanted them Dion's shoes. I got both pairs of the Diamond Turf ones. I got like two pairs yep. of the Diamond Turf twos. Iconic shoes. And the thing is, like like I said, his coolness has transcended in ways that a lot of athletes' coolness hasn't. Like, like you know, Shador just tried doing, the, you know, the high-stepping end zone dance just yep. last week. You know what I mean? Like That should look hard, yeah. though, too, when he did it. I'm like, damn, his son in there doing a high-step? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You feel me? With the Dion's on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the thing I looked at. I was like, oh, he got them on. Like, they he about, got them on. They, they about to come back. Like, this will be very interesting because I do not believe that Colorado is a Nike school. And Nike's about to be like, Diamond Turf back. 
Yeah. Need that. that. Need that. Love that diamond turban. <laughs> nah, this 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 different, man. Like I don't, I don't like. I I wound up trying to make this point on Twitter with some people, and I couldn't get them to understand it. I ain't gonna mm-hmm. ever be rooting against him, right? I don't really rock with the entirety of his steez, but the way For my sure. the way my black works ain't gonna really be no rooting <laughs> against Dion, and ain't gonna be no like acknowledging what the truth is. And the truth is, he's that guy. Like he makes so where this gets frustrating. A lot of dick riding going on, right? Like, like you see it, you watch it. It's a, it's a, it's a heavy proportion of dick riding that's going on. And two helpings, two handfuls of, yeah. of dick. You know, yeah. but what makes it wild? Or what is, have you? We see it. We see it people engage in that that are like really cool and really famous and like really like Dion has that effect on people. People want mm-hmm. to be down with Dion. They just he make- makes the famous people forget they're famous. Yes. You know what I mean? When you're around Dion, like you're nervous, like the people are nervous around you when they're like, when like a regular person like me is talking to a famous person. You yes. know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Well, I think you mentioned the, the staying power of his brand. We have high school football players in Long Beach who, when he got hired at Colorado, were posting on their IG stories this is my favorite athlete of all time. Do you know as a as a person his age to be cool to 16 and 17 year old black kids in Long Beach? That's like that, yeah. I, I don't even I don't even have words to describe how uh, rare yeah. that would be. I, I will say this though. I would like to ask that young man, just curious, is your is your favorite rapper KRS one? <laughs> <laughs> No, like they don't even listen to Drake. That's what that, but that's why I was looking at this. They seen Dion. They just saw highlights. It's kind of like the kids. But these are the kids that make fun of people for having MJ uh, Braun goat debates. Like you talk about two old people. Why do I give a fuck about that? You know what I mean? Like Paul George is the oldest basketball player who lives to these kids. (laughs) Well, I'd be be curious, like if those kids play defensive back. And the reason I say that, and I like people get into the Dion is unquestionably the best corner of all time. You don't know that. Like I'm not I'm not saying that Dion is not I'm just saying that most of the people who say that have never given this any actual thought and can't consider mm-hmm. who number two is. But Dion again, the first person to ever make us think about who the best corner is of all time, he said it, and we're like, who? We'll ride with it. But he, <laughs> he, but he's definitely without question way up there, right? Like of those yeah, yeah, I've yeah. seen yeah. with my own eyes. We're talking about him. Just him and Rod Woodson as far him, yeah. Rod Woodson and Revis probably like those are the yeah Chad and Chad Bailey, right? Yeah, like, Chad that's sure. you know that's where we get in that zone. But think about this for a second. You seen that clip of uh, Jason Kelsey talking about corners, like playing corners so hard they don't even let white guys try? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, but yeah. I do believe that corner has to be the hardest position to play, and the reason that I believe it has to be the hardest position to play is it's the only position that you could be regular size and play. Like every other position in the in football, you have to size yourself into to be able to play. Mm-hmm. Derrick Green was the five one. nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like my man, like my man, Dominique Foxworth. You don't know that's a pro athlete unless you tell them. Like when you walk around with a corner, that's just like walking around with a person if they ain't right. got like you know like a, <laughs> uh, like a shirt like a like a tank top on or something like that. So right, right, there right. are more people eligible to be a corner than there is to be anything else. And this dude athletically was that much better than everybody else while in the middle of seasons holding down a side job playing baseball. Crazy. I have a question. Like I, I think. Bo, you, from what I've seen you talk about, uh, I think you and Tyler have a very similar 
thought process around Dion, and I'm just kind of curious about that to the extent I, Tyler's talked about it on the show. To the extent you guys are t- comfortable talking about it, it's like it does feel. Uh, he, I always get a little nervous when the white guys like when there's a, that long of a wind up. You guys, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, like it's been Tyler's point. It's like Tyler was like full on double middle finger fuck Dion after the way he left Jackson State. Right, but also, I mean, I, hey, I, I I haven't switched on that. I hated the way he left Jackson State. But right, yep. But like, but right, but, and, and you still say you're not rooting for him, though. No, and I'm not, you know and I'm, I'm not rooting against him either. You know what right. I'm saying? Because because yeah. the, the, you know, like I mentioned before, the whole thing. If you're rooting against Dion, you're rooting against his players. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the college yeah. coaches and players' performance are so intrinsically tied that my favorite thing about this whole move to Colorado is how Shador and Travis Hunter have cashed the fuck out. Travis Hunter is going to be a top five pick when he comes out. Shadour has established himself as a first round QB. Them boys are getting a bag, and I love that for them. But like I said, I'm I'm I don't I'm never going to rock with the way he left Jackson State. I mean, I think the only way we the only thing we disagree on is that I'm rooting for him. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't fuck with how he left Jackson State. You know what I'm saying? I don't fuck with like how he built the fan base in Jackson State when he was coming around. Like the the the, the, the verbiage he used and appealed to country nigga. You know what I'm saying? Think like, like 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 God put me here and all that, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, like there's something about him that I root for, yeah. you know. Even in even after seeing that part of it that I didn't like of Dion, so yeah. I think that's what the only place I'm, we, I'm, we defer. I'm, I'm gonna tell you this: my whole thing is we didn't need all the theatrics when he left Jackson State. We didn't. We no, we all knew Jack, we all knew Jackson State was a pit stop. Shit, we all know Colorado's a pit stop. Um, right. I was right. never upset that he left Jackson State. I just didn't like the way he left Jackson State because for sure. Yeah. The thing about that Jackson State hire is we all were a bit skeptical when Dion took that job because the thing about being an HBCU coach is, you know, being a HBCU, being a coach at an HBCU is different than being a power five coach because there's like a certain level of selflessness that you have to have and implement as an HBCU coach. Like HBUs, HBCUs are not. NFL mills that are just cranking out pros like mm-hmm. your power fives, like your Clemson's, like your Bama's. No, you're going to have like two or three pros a decade as an HBCU football coach, right? That's not the main focus at an HBCU. These are kids who, who this is like the last stop that, that you know, for most of them where, where their athletic ability is going to take them. And it took them all the way to a full ride for a college education, right? So the great HBCU coaches have an understanding that football is not the end-all, be-all here. They understand that mm-hmm. the main objective as an HBCU coach is you are a black man who is going to guide and mentor these black teenage kids and help them grow into being responsible, disciplined, successful young adults, right? And mm-hmm. Dion, he was saying all the shit that led us to believe mm-hmm. That he understood the magnitude of the unique uniqueness of the position he was in at Jackson State, right? His and uh, his actions, a lot of his actions, lended to that too. Like Dan was very much on his kids' asses, asses about you know class attendance, about getting good grades, mm-hmm. about giving back to the community, right? It seemed the nerve, like, by the way, of the yeah. man who got us the Deion Sanders rule because he skipped a whole semester <laughs> and had to scramble at the end to get an online degree so he could be a coach. Sorry about yeah. that. No, 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 no. Very much needed context. But um, it seemed like this was a dude who a lot of us thought was too self-centered to be the selfless mentor that HBCU coaches need to be. And it, it felt like he was proving us wrong for a little bit there. Then he left. And like I said, I did not have an issue with him leaving. But he just did that smear job on his way out, you, you know, where, where where he needed to make this all about him in a way that it didn't even need to be. But it's it's 
It's, you know, he tried to pull that tired ass, self-appointed HBCU. Complaining HBC- about the money yeah. and all that shit, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went in and tried to pull that tired ass, self-appointed HBCU savior who was let down by the very people he saw. He tried to save bullshit. And it's like, we didn't need that, bro. Take your 30 mil and go to Colorado. He's telling us he wasn't supported enough at that school that has led the FCS in attendance for years. He hopped out there with Shannon Sharp. You know, shout out to the homie Shannon. Welcome to the volume, my boy. And he went on, on his show trying to finger wag at JSU boosters by pointing to the fact that, like, only 8% of HBCU alums donate to their alma maters. And that's the same rate that white PWI alums donate to their alma maters as well. When he's saying folks at JSU weren't digging in their pocketbooks. When JSU had a fundraiser while he was there with a $500,000 target, and they smashed that shit and raised $600,000, right? So so I, I didn't like... Like I said, I did just I just didn't like the way he left. I didn't like how he resorted to pet perpetuating the whole HBCUs are broken institutions ran by broken black people with broken mentalities. Just to say fact, say face to the fact that he was leaving after after three years. You didn't need to do that, right? We all knew Jackson State was a pit stop. It's like he tried to sell us on being all on all his you know for us by you uh, us shit, and then it was, he was like, yeah, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. The white man's ice is actually colder. Yo, that's what that, I didn't that like was, about how that, that, and I think you were in the same place that I was, and then I was doubly confounded because I had people accusing me of attacking a black man when I was defending right. black people, right? Like, your <laughs> right. priority is this one black man because he's Deion Sanders, ignoring all the disrespect that had been done to black people, but that's done now, right? Like, there's nothing, like, there's nothing I can do or say about what happened at Jackson State. It's a wrap now. He's now the coach at Colorado. And as I said at the time, I'd have took that job too. I wouldn't have done it the way that he did, but I Mm -hmm. absolutely would have taken that job. And look, part of why I'm like being careful about how much I say about this and when is just because what we're really going to know about this team is after Oregon and after USC, right? Like that's what we're really going to know what the deal is. Nebraska as a game wasn't really going to tell us anything. I don't know how much Colorado State is going to tell us, but the truth is... They trash. Yeah, this is, but this is going to be ups and downs in this voyage, in this journey, what, like for this season, for the whole time, or whatever it is. But I do kind of feel like being present in the moment to a degree, and it allows an appreciation for the fact that they've already exceeded the expectations that most people had. Shador... I watched him play a little bit at Jackson State, and I thought he was a good FCS-level quarterback, right? Not HBCU-level, FCS. Like, I think he was at mm-hmm. the top level of FCS, but I w- it wasn't enough to make me be like, he going to kill it if he get on this biggest stage. And he's been so much better in these two games. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't watch the first game, but in that second game, he was so much better than I thought that he could be at that level. Like, that stuff is really cool that they've managed to pull that off in the level of excitement. This is the biggest story outside of the NFL. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't pop his Achilles, this is the biggest story in sports. People are coming all over to watch it and it's great. And I'm watching, you know, it's the idea that we got a, a, a pro, black America has a program again. is kind of weird because the dynamics are so much different. This go round, but there's a whole generation of kids that don't realize we used to have like a handful of our teams. Right. Mm-hmm. Colorado's Colorado, which didn't, <laughs> be, which didn't become that when they had a squad full of Crips and was winning the national championship. They had a now, black QB and we still we weren't really rocking with him. <laughs> <they had Cordell, laughs> you know, in the 90s, right. they won a national championship with a black quarterback and you don't even remember his name. <laughs> Who was it? Shit. Darian Hagan. Okay. Yo, I did have the Cordell Stewart in, in, in eighth grade, though. But that's by the time he was with the uh, Steelers, I believe. But anyway. Yeah. Cordell was a beast at Colorado. A beast. Mm-hmm. 
But see, that's another part, too. Part of why this is working in Colorado is that Dion is like weirdly the opposite side of the Bill McCartney coin. For those of you who are familiar with the promise keepers and people that show up and get 80,000 people at your stadium uh, to sing white people gospel songs and do all that stuff. The man behind that is the former head coach at the University of Colorado or Colorado, Bill McCartney, the dude they won national championships with. I thought that Dion's Jesus game wouldn't work that well in such a blue area, blue versus red. But then I mm-hmm. forgot their OG did this exactly like Dion did. Like he low key <laughs> found the right place for him to be. And at least for two weeks, man, that shit cracking. Yeah. It's a phenomenon to me, bro. I've I've like I'm seeing people from here talking about I'm rooting for like you have USC here and they're rooting for Colorado. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. people who are traditionally USC fans, like, I right, man, you know, like wish you the best, but the niggas yeah. over here, I'm going with my people. You feel what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. To Buffalo. I've never seen anything like this, G. Yeah, talk to those people at halftime of the USC game. That, we gonna see. We'll that's see. That's what we gonna find we gonna out. See and, I, and, I'm only, and I'm only saying that because I don't know how much you fellas have gotten to watch that quarterback uh, that USC has. Special. But, uh, woo! Yeah. Woo! <laughs> He's different, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's J- he black too. Yeah, J- but, yeah, but yeah, John, yeah. John and I have talked about that. Like, it's broken. This story's broken containment. Like, I have friends who do not give a fuck about college football who are at, who are asking who are like making plans to have people over for the USC Colorado game. Like, it's a, like it's a yeah. title fight. You know what I mean? And yes, like the DBs on both teams and the quarterbacks on both teams. It could be like a hundred twenty point game. <laughs> like, yes. I mean, it could be a really fun game. But it, it does feel like it's exceeded that. That level of like a certain number of people are following the way he left Jackson State. A certain number of people are following like, oh, someone got hired at Colorado. I have friends who are barely sports fans that are like, this is the story right now that I care about. So that like that's where I'm interested to see where it goes because y'all are paying attention and you're thinking about the way that he was moving. Like he ultimately there, there's some level of con in the way that he's presented, like the, the way that he's done stuff. And he's been successful in doing it. That's why, as you pointed out, he's been able to run it for, you know, decade on decade on decade. But if it feels like, and not to super redraw the lines, like it does feel almost a little, uh, like, like, tr- like Trumpian in the way that it's like, your enemies are my enemies. I'm making these people, yeah. I'm making the people you want to be mad, mad. So like, yes. forgive mm. the stuff I've done in the way that it's always been sort of confusing to me to see evangelicals taking up for Donald Trump, having grown up, you know, when we grew up, it's sort of, it feels like he's trying to pull the same thing. Like, I know you want someone to make these fucking white media guys feel like shit and I'm going to be the one to do it, you know? So f- fuck whatever I said before. Like, this is the new, this is what we're selling yeah. right now, you know? But they were riding with him when he said the stuff before. Like, that's right. the thing. Yeah. It's not even like, like, I do see some people who I think, and I guess maybe to a degree, people think I'm one of them who have tempered their feelings about Dion. And my feelings about Dion have not been tempered. They just not what we're talking about right now. Like what mm-hmm. we're talking about right now is an actual legitimate college football story. And what I hope, and this is what I wonder if people go look around and see, there ain't no money in being boring. And everybody seems to believe somehow that there is. There's a risk minimization. You're not going to mess up no money necessarily being more mm-hmm. being boring. But there ain't really no money in being boring. And returning an actual real-life personality to college football, which is and should be the most personality-driven of all of these sports, This is the th- that's the part that I want to see. If people realize that, hey, man, 
you might want to get somebody that can like really, really run a room and will do it in front of people and they'll say some things that might be wrong every now and then. OK, cool. Like, yo, let let's do this that way. Yeah. That is mm-hmm. that right there is where I think maybe there could be like some real influence that comes out of this. Because I'm just really I really sat here and thought about it. It's like, when's there the last when was the last time prior to this that you had a coach that made you feel anything? It's you're, you're so you're so well, right. I mean, like like Lincoln Riley comes to USC, he gets everyone fired up about USC. I've never, I'm not, I'm not turning the TV on for a press conference. I don't give a fuck what Lincoln Riley has to say. It's just cool mm-hmm. he brought Caleb to <laughs> to USC, yeah. you know. But like, yeah, yeah, but you're right. Sorry, right? Yeah, but like they're all all these people are <laughs> HR people. You right? Like it's like they all get up. It's like I could say the words lived experience. I could talk like you know what I mean. But they're not like. They don't bring any personality. You, you're so right about Kirby Smart. I don't give a fuck about Kirby Smart at Georgia. Like, I, I could not possibly give less of a fuck. Dion, you, I'm watching everything he's got to say. I will, I will say, I think Dabo Swinney evokes a lot of emotions, but it's not yes, he intrigue. Does. He's the one. Yeah, he's the it, one. I, yeah, I, I, I want to say he evokes the same type of intrigue that Dion does. I think Dabo has really just done a pivot to being like such a 180 to being like a villain that we all fucking love to hate now. Because yeah. the whole thing about about Dabo is like when he came out, we, were, we you know, we are like, oh, look at this c- good old country down home boy, mm-hmm. you know, th- making jokes about how, well, if you want to wrestle a pig, you might as well take your shirt off or whatever the fuck, yeah. right? And, <laughs> and, and, then it's one, and then one day Dabo was like, well, golly gee willikers, I just think all labor should be exploited. We were like, whoa, what the fuck? We're like, who is this guy? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I do think that Dabo is like the only other coach who, who evokes, yeah. um, you know, emotion. But like I said, I don't know if he evokes the intrigue that Dion has. Yeah, the thing I give Dabo credit for is that he's true to himself. Like I don't buy a lot of what Dabo is selling, and I think that he's using a state institution to run a church, which is its own problem. Like that Clemson program, like it's a little too close to God. Like you're just not. In this country, you can't do that if you're the state. And I think that's going to ultimately be a Dion question that comes up at some point also. I mean, he's wearing JC on his sleeve, you know, going out there. Right, right. No shade to him for his beliefs, but that can easily trample over into we don't recruit you unless you're dot, 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 you know, and that becomes problematic. Um, But something I was thinking about with, like, the black program thing and where this is different than the other black programs, and this is where I think it's something that's fair to look at Dion is, this has got to be bigger than you at some point, though, because the reason that Miami was a black program wasn't because of Jimmy Johnson. It was because of the players. Mm-hmm. Right. Are we going to get to know players beyond your son and your number one protege? You know what I mean? Like like I like you should be the front that sells this. But then once you get in there, it's supposed to bring a light to everything else that goes on there. And what Dion has always been good at is putting the light on Dion. The point ain't never been to put the light on other people like this should now get us like it's worked out well with Shador because I think we're seeing him in a light that we probably wouldn't have if he wasn't Dion's son he wouldn't associate with him in this way but the, the light got to get shared yeah mm. I, I'm, I'm I'm curious about who the people who think that Dion is just railing against you know the, the, the white system because I don't think it's that. I think Dion is just doing the same shit white coaches have done just as a black guy. Tyler, do you, you know think I mean? do, you, do you think that's how he's selling it? Like, do you agree that's how he's selling it, though? Um, I mean, Dion himself, like, there's a 60 minutes interview. He said the goal of his time in Jackson State was to be disruptive, was to you was to be a college coach that they had never seen before. And then it's like you leave Jackson State and you go on Rich Eisen with them white folks and you yakking, yucking it up and having them crack up at that, at that trash ass <laughs> joke he made about 
about wanting linebackers from single parent homes and quarterbacks from two parent homes. I'm, oh like, I'm like, bro, God, yeah, I'm, bro. I'm, I'm like, bro, that is that. Even white people know not to say that in public anymore, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like that is some 1986 <laughs> white people shit you're saying right now. You know, right, so, it just so, looked different. It just yeah, exactly. That, that's, right. that's all it because I don't think that he's doing anything that is unique. I don't think he's railing against any system. I will say this: Dion's timing is impeccable because we are in the NIL era, and Dion has always been about cashing out. He wants his kids to get paid, right? Like he wants everybody to cash out, and that is something that where you know you of course you look at the at the talent pool of college football it is mostly black people so if he wants you know college kids to get play, paid he's like yo i want most of these black kids to get paid and that you know it you know in, intrinsically becomes a pro black stance in some in some degree right so i think yeah. that the timing worked out great for Deion in that aspect but i don't think Deion's doing anything different than any of these white coaches do but see the nil thing though was where the shot on the players part becomes very important Right. Because they got to get the shine so that they can get the money, because otherwise they just get the money to Dion. Who's going to take it all? All I tell you, let me, right. let me tell you what I can't wait for. And I don't know what day it's coming, but, you know, goddamn well, that day is coming. When are we going to find out about the extension? Because he's getting paid five million dollars a year this year. And he is clearly worth no less than 15 to them, to them. Mm-hmm. Like, while I've always thought that Colorado would probably be a pit stop. He's worth so much money to them in a way that I don't know if it's worth it to anybody else. And also, I don't know how long, like, we're in the novelty stage. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how long this keeps being cool or what happens when they lose some games or anything else. But I bet you, we know Dion. Dion don't walk to the president's office already asking questions about where the dollar's at. <laughs> Yeah. They, I mean, they they had to make some shit shake to give him that five, didn't they? They, they I don't hired, know they can afford him to what he give him what he's worth. They hired him and didn't know where the money was coming from. Right, right, don't right. They had, to, they had to figure it out. They'll right. find the money to get him now, oh, for, especially in that rich ass that area too. Yeah. They gonna find the bread, but yeah, I mean, if they get smacked up by you know USC and Oregon. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that he, he might that five might be. But the, but the, the college football that. media did him a big favor in that people. I mean, there were writers saying this is like one of the worst you know FCS rosters they'd ever seen. Like people set the expectations such if they lose two games to Oregon and USC, I think you know we'll we'll see we'll see if the bigger stuff dies out. losses. Yeah, for sure, yeah, for yeah, sure. But yeah. I'm, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the excitement that draws people to the sidelines right. and watching TV. That'll get you the dollars, the, you know, from from like having televised games. Right. You know what I mean? Like for for like a lot of people that's like like you, like you said, we'll see how they feel to hit at halftime of that USC game. The folks that's from USC from from Southern Cal that's rooting for Colorado right now. If old boy is cooking their ass, they might be like, oh, let's pump the brakes a little bit with this fandom. You know what I mean? So I'm talking about the the novelty and the, the well, the novelty obviously wears off over time, but the excitement of the program if they're not beating teams like that because you know a lot of people probably watch because they think you know. Hey, they, they, this this team they 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 could they could smack up a USC if they win against USC it'll be a close game but USC could cook their ass you know what I'm saying but a lot of people that are watching don't really necessarily see it that way because they are believing they they attach to the hype at this point you feel me so that's why I'm saying that value might not be that value if they got beat by somebody like that because a lot of the people that the people that watch the Warriors because they were the best team in the world at the time that aren't watching basketball anymore might not be watching Colorado because they were just watching because of the excitement that was surrounding them. If that that can kind of taint that a little bit, that's that's where I'm coming from with that. Yeah, 
tie, man. What a tie. Like, could you have what a, it's, it's arrested, man. in 1995, you'd be talking about Deion Sanders, head coach. Because this other thing I give him, too. He wanted them if you can see it, you can be it, motherfuckers, right? Like, I don't really, I got to admit, I don't really be buying too much into that. I figure out what I'm good at, and then I go do it. Deion was these cats that come out here and think he's good at everything, right? Like, the belief that he has in himself is amazing, and people are like, you should be inspired by that. I hope you're as talented. Yeah, because right. Deion's path is not easily, you know, replicated. Um, no. You know, we, we, we mentioned how his allure is that he's cool. And the whole thing is the grind to become a head coach eliminates a lot of cool guys. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> the, the, the usual path that you're going to have to take to be a, a head coach. Like if Dion was not the charismatic icon that he is, he'd have had to be a DB coach somewhere. He would have had to yeah. go. So, you, you know, he, he, would, he would have to be, dead and fussed. Yeah, yeah. He would have Bruh. to be a defensive coordinator somewhere. Then he then he would work his way up to a head coach. And that would be a, about a 10 year process with about four or five different stops. And Dion, yeah. you know, to his credit, you know, Shouts to that man for knowing his worth. He was like, nope, I am charismatic. I'm a big enough name to jump to the front of the line. And he had JSU who accommodated him in that. And like I said, that's yeah. another thing I don't like about how, you know, his exit there because there is no mm-hmm. other, you know, school. There's only an HBCU would have given, for sure. you know, Dion that shot to yep. jump to the front of the line like that. So that's another right. reason I didn't like, you know, the, 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 the smear job he did, you know, on his way out. But, you know, neither here nor there. But yeah, that, like I said, the, the process that leads to people becoming a head coach eliminates a lot of cool guys because they. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Cool guys don't grind, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and ain't going and ain't going settle for making eight dollars over that ten yeah. years either. Because you ain't yeah. the bread ain't there until you get to become a, a head coach. So, Other, yeah. Otherwise, at some point, Di just would have been at been, been in the facility one day, and so kid came in, and he'd have been like, "I started off on floors just like you. Now, <laughs> now the fries. <laughs> Next week, the fries. Anybody else got to do that? And look." I don't blame him, man. I, I, I'm not. I would not want to do those things either, right? Like at that age or whatever, I would not want to have to like the journalism equivalent. Do I feel like covering high schools? No, not necessarily. I was at that point at 27 years old. I was like, yeah, I'm not willing to do that. I'm about to figure out a hustle yeah. to get around that step. And Dion figured it out, right? Like this, like let's appreciate it for what it is right now. But I want everybody to know this is going to have some twists. And some turns. Facts. It will not be a straight line, and he will not handle everything well. And when he yeah. doesn't handle some things well, everybody gonna have to decide how much truth they want to tell. There it is. Um, Here we go. You know, I I, I feel like I, I I think we've addressed Neon enough, but I also feel like we would be remiss if we had cultural critic Bomani Jones on here doing the 50th anniversary of rap and didn't get his opinions on, you know, how you feel about the celebration that's been going on in regards to that, where you feel rap is at now, like, like where are you at with, with things on that? I will tell you the thing that I noticed in all of this, and maybe somebody else has written on this. I don't keep up with it nearly as much. I've thought about writing about it, but I just been a little bit too lazy. <sighs> We're really selling MC Hammer short in this celebration. I know that is not what you thought that you were going to hear. Because I, I did it, but I'm intrigued. All right, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a Hammer fan. I do feel like I do feel like he got wrongly crucified for being perhaps raps first huge pop star because you know i was a kid and i didn't understand the you know fuck hammer sentiment that i was seeing in all the rap videos like third base right, and right. shit you know gas well, face the, they the, were 
punching over the the, the hammer fucking yeah. doll and shit. But Good, which, by, by the way, they regretted doing now, didn't they? Yeah, because Hammer came in. Hammer wanted to play with you. Hammer wanted to play with. The thing was, Hammer just wasn't that good at rapping, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest cause of resentment. It was like, oh, this the one. But Hammer, I was looking this up on the wiki. Did you realize that Hammer got a two and a half million dollar advance from the label in 1986 or something like that? Hell no. I remember when 50 got a million in 2003 and we thought that was ridiculous money. He got 2.5 million in 86. Yes, and 86 money? I think it was eight and recouped it. That's why he had all that money. Like, Hammer is the blueprint for all these guys trying to get their independent label game all. And you know he must have been dancing his black ass off because Hammer was not a great MC. But do you realize mm-hmm. how good you got to be at dancing to make people buy a tape? <laughs> right, like you're not like, to no, hear you yeah. and not see you. Right, right. Like you're selling a completely different product. Right, right. Was out there in parking lots dancing, making people buy tapes. That just doesn't make any sense. But he did that. He got all the money and everything else. But the truth is, if you look at what the construction of the modern rapper is as pop star, they're all trying to do the things that Hammer pulled off 30 years ago. Now, I bring that all up to say, one of my good friends, uh, Jason England, wrote a piece for The Defector about Hip Hop 50. That was a pretty harsh look at what hip hop has become, where we are. It's real questions that a lot of people took umbrage with it or had a problem with it. And I think maybe the clearest distillation of a lot of the points that he was ultimately trying to make and points worth hearing is, in the end, all these cats tried to be hammer. Right. They, a lot of them are like Drake is obviously a better rapper than Hammer. Right. And he can't mm-hmm. dance like Hammer and everything else. But he figured out how to be the pop star that mm-hmm. all these guys ultimately wanted to be and wanted to become. He low key is the blueprint minus the funny pants. And <laughs> what does that say about all of this in the macro? Because, I mean, you all of us here are of an age where and you talk about like the blowback against hammer there was some internal quality control and there was an idea of like rap is culture and a culture that needs to be maintained and we need to hold it off because the invaders are coming and everything else and then the money showed up and cats was like i'm just saying you know life's about trades right and then it went and so it is interesting for me to just kind of go back and not so much look at how the music has changed but look at how the culture has changed but how our attitude about what it is has changed and how as time has gone on, the importance of like subscribing to hip hop as like an ethos of life has changed. And not that it was necessarily the best ethos for life in the first place, but there was something kind of noble to the idea that we felt like we had something precious and something that should be protected. And we ain't got that no more. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects easy. We've used Angie at my house. We had some work done. Uh, we had some painting done. We were able to find a bunch of really qualified people with good rates through Angie and pick someone we were really happy with. It was super easy to use the app, super easy to connect with someone. We got the call right away, so we didn't have to sit around and wait. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installation, or cleaning. 
Angie has simplified finding help for home projects. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service projects from start to finish. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, something that has been a point and it was a point that was mentioned in the, in the piece that, you know, you mentioned was there was a time when, you know, rappers were revolutionary. There was a time when public enemies fight. The power was the summer fucking jam. You know what I mean? And I and, mm-hmm. and it feels like like, you know, rap has kind of lost its way in that regard. And it might not ever be that revolutionary again. But my my thing is that. I feel like rap was always aspirational in regards to, yo, I'm in this to make some motherfucking money. And I feel like it was revolutionary because it was a bunch of poor black kids who were making ridiculous money, you, you know, and that's still the case for it. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just curious on where you stand in regards to, you know, do you feel that rap lost its way? Because I feel like it's more just of a of a self-actualization more than anything in regards to that. Because, like I said, I feel like rap always had capitalistic aspirations. Every rapper had to, has that. And I feel like the money is just crazy enough now to where, you know, you don't even need to be, you know, politically charged anymore. You know, th- th- that's just not a, a thriving subgenre of rap anymore. Like guys are like, you, you know, you get a fucking hot single on TikTok. You know, you got a little, you, you know, your little Apple music pages, Spotify pages jumping and you're going to fuck around and get like a fucking half a million to a million dollar deal off top. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, like the hunger isn't really there anymore because there's so much money in this shit. Yeah. But see this where my criticism on this stuff really doesn't come with the rappers themselves as much as looking at the audience. So how wild is it that in the last, we'll call it 12, 11 years now, like really like 11 and a half, the Trayvon Martin case is where I'm putting the start. All this stuff with the police, motherfuckers out here in the streets, burning stuff down, all the anger, everything, the Trump years, all of this stuff that's happened, right? Mm-hmm. Hardly any of it has been reflected mm-hmm. by the rappers of the day 
not just like or, or at least those with any sort of repute or anything. Right. Like that's not what they're making. And it's just kind of hard for me to believe that as charged up as everybody was, including these young people. Right. That as charged up as they were, were about taking down the system and changing everything else, that nobody could figure out how to make any money making music about those very themes. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why I say I look at the audience in a way and I'm just kind of like, what are we doing? Right. Like, what are we asking for? What are we requesting? Because I think it's real easy to just be like, yo, these cats don't be talking about nothing no more. No, there's people out here talking about stuff. There's people out here mm-hmm. doing all kinds of different types of rap. But why aren't those the ones that are like bubbling up to the surface? And I think that we also reached a point where we have like minimized the level of what like a revolutionary disruptive thing is. Right. So case in point, one of the criticisms I saw people made of Jason's piece was the idea that he didn't talk enough about women, which I think in general was a fair point to make. But it was presented as though he didn't talk enough about women because he believes that we're in a golden age of female rap. And Mm -hmm. personally, my question is, what exactly is making this golden? Right. Is it just the, the, the fact that there's a large quantity of women who are rapping and they are famous it can't just be that, right? Like, I don't know, are we really dealing with like a golden age of quality out there? And every argument that people make that is the, well, the good stuff is out there, you gotta go find it. I didn't have to do that before. Why the hell I gotta go find it? But that's what I think is the thing. Like, we talk about like rappers being capitalists, but it didn't feel like capitalism was deciding what was hot and what isn't. You yeah, know what I mean? But now that. it feels like that. Yeah, we decided that. We don't decide it anymore. You know what I'm saying? The people that are pulling the strings and the, the industry decides that. But how they, you know, like a TikTok song getting, the guy doesn't even have an album. He has a 30 second snippet of a song, the shit that's going popular and getting half a million, you know, a hundred million signing bonus or whatever. I mean, a, 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 a million dollar signing bonus. Like, bro, like that, that that's not. We're not deciding that shit's hot. No. You know, the people that are getting signed and getting, you know, backing in money, it's it's the, the capitalists are running it now. You feel me? Yeah. So that's what's what's weird. And like you said, dude, there are some dope rappers talking about that shit. Like Mick Jenkins is one of them. I love Mick's album. You know what I mean? Who's listening to Mick Jenkins? I, I bring him up. People don't really necessarily, you know, know, know who he is like that. He has a d- small fan base, but based upon the things that are going on and him speaking to it, if and if it was the 90s, Mick would be going crazy. Yeah. Because of what we expected, you know what I'm saying, and who and and we were deciding what was hot, not the, not not the other way around. We, so well, yeah. well, it think, just well, feels like it's different. Well, think now. about it like this, right? We used to get a new scene, a new scene would pop up like every year and a half, two years, two and a half years, right? Like that St. Louis run was interesting, right? Like Nelly came yeah, out, right, and right, it was, right. It was an exposure of America to a new scene, but there was a scene that was starting Houston, which had its own scene for God knows how long, but like some old four was the year that everybody found out what was going on because honestly we ain't give a damn what was going on texas don't really care about what nobody else is doing houston don't really houston don't care what dallas doing you know what i mean but like right 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 bubbled up but what you had to do first was you had to win your neighborhood and then you had to win your city and then maybe Mm -hmm. you had to win your region and then maybe if you pulled that off you were ready for America to find you. And you had to get every- platinum at home. You had to yes. go platinum at the crib first. You know what I mean? And now everybody's just kind of throwing it to the, into the pot. Just like, hey, all right, cool. We're going to see what happens. And what's happened that I think is interesting, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong. I would argue that the three biggest rappers in the world for right now are Drake, Kendrick Lamar, and J. Cole. Like, is that, yes. is that probably a fair statement? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Dog, yeah. all these dudes dropped damn near 15 years ago. How are they still the top three dudes out here? Crazy, mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, that's that's something wild because I remember like on on the Black album when when Jay kind of that was supposed to be his victory lap. We all knew he was retiring and he opened it. It's never been a nigga this good for this long. And he emerged in '96 in '03 and he had a seven year run. We're like, yeah, he's absolutely right. We've never seen a rapper with a seven year run like this guy. And like you said, but we've got motherfuckers like like Drake who's been that guy since you know so far gone and. In February 2009 it's like a different um era now but um to go back to your point about how you were like yo where was the revolutionary music during like you know the Trump shit during the George Floyd shit and I remember Little Baby dropped like the bigger picture and I love Little Baby yes but but um you know I listened to that song and he was like you know it's bigger than black and white all cops ain't bad I was like bro this ain't what we need I was like where where where, 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 where is the where's the motherfuck him and John Wayne you know what I'm saying like that right. that's the type of you know revolutionary rap I feel like we needed in that moment and I, I I just don't know if we're ever just gonna get that again like like on a fucking nationwide you know right. huge scale or even just act like this stuff is happening right like do you remember it was after George Floyd um after George Floyd they had the uh what you call it uh the BT awards was right after right, that. Right. and everybody had to figure out how to throw Black Lives Matter into their presentation so it's Megan the Stallion out here on some mad Mac shit it is a Black Lives Matter <laughs> sign I was like oh my god you guys are horribly ill-equipped to do anything about this because I do think that I was uh did you watch the Will Chamberlain doc on Showtime the Goliath joint I didn't peep it no that's interesting and they had like portions of it where they would go through like his old letters and papers and stuff and read it out loud you know just kind of like diary type stuff journal entries or whatever and i was thinking about that and i was thinking about this book i read about frank sinatra a couple weeks ago where sinatra's a high school dropout he's talking to jimmy cannon who was a newspaper writer who's also a high school dropout and they're having a back and forth about which author they preferred i think sinatra had uh f scott fitzgerald and Jimmy Cannon had Ernest Hemingway. And they're having this back and forth about it. And it just got me to thinking, like, man, they were a lot more thoughtful back then. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, you, do you think there's a scenario under which you could imagine, like, a couple of these cats going back and forth about who their favorite writers are or their favorite ben philosophers? Staples, that's it. Or like, like, Vince could do that, right? But, like, beyond that, that's and it. That's, right. And that's not just about rap, just to be clear. That's mm-hmm. just kind of a broader sort of thing that now that we have access to more candy, right? More content as we like to call Mm -hmm. it we're just not as thoughtful and so this is a time that thoughtful people should be able to come up and show up and make some great statements i mean the world is literally on fire okay like say what you want about most deaf old crazy ass he had a song about water shortages in 1999 Ain't nobody coming out here doing that on no like big large scale or anything you know that new world water track on black on both sides right right it wasn't good but it wasn't you know (laughs) but he was saying something you know Yeah. yeah Yeah, you try to get a hundred gallon tank. I feel you, big dog. You know, I wish I'd listened to you a little bit sooner. Getting a little bit dicey, <laughs> right? But it just—it doesn't feel the, the stuff doesn't feel thoughtful. Like even the gangsters felt thoughtful. Hmm. You know, that—that's my issue. I'm curious. Like, I think the the one missing piece of the conversation we talked with Kiana when we had her on to talk about her book about the the 50th anniversary is the the distribution model. Obviously, is very different because of social media. And what young people can do with their free time is completely different because of smartphones, right? Like if, if someone wanted to express themselves when they were 20, when we were 20, you could write or you could make music, you know, (laughs) or if you painted or whatever, but like, that was kind of it. Now 
you know, the, the people, um, the, the young people here, the young people in Long Beach who are leading the Black Lives Matter movement, like they were making social media content about what they wanted to do. Like that's how they were expressing themselves. And similarly, that's how people were taking it in, you know, like there's so many different ways that your creative energy can be dispersed. But also, you know, we talked with Kiana about like music means something different to a 16 year old kid than it did probably from like the early 1900s until the smartphone came out. Like they can watch movies and TV shows at the same swipe that they can listen to music. And they do, you know, like a lot of them, mm. like you go to a, a, a football weight room in a high school in Long Beach right now, they're as likely to be playing fucking 300 or a movie that they find motivating as they are to listen to, to music. Like that's really, yes. And that's like very odd to me, but to them, right. the, the content box of their phone produces do I want to stream? A, a, you know, do I, we want to play video games? Do we want to watch a movie? Do we want to watch a TV show? Do we want to listen to music? Like that is all sort of the same like stuff to them. And so I don't know. Like when, when you said we haven't had someone of that level come out in the last fifteen years, I don't know that there will ever be a monopoly on attention that can produce someone of that level again. You know, I really right, don't. But, but even if we're not talking about the level and magnitude of fame, let's just talk about like being good at it. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, like, like, and I think wh what I was hearing when you were talking about that in all these avenues and things is that that where where it, where it kind of struck me was it's so easy to do so many of those things, and sometimes it's better when something's just a little bit hard, right? Because it makes you get totally into agree. it, it makes you like dive into the challenge of it, and it makes you truly decide if you love it or not, right? Because it's a lot easier to make all this stuff than it has ever been before, and even your little mistakes. Somebody can fix it or whatever. But we all know that feeling when you get on something that's hard and you can't get it right mm -hmm. away. And that makes you want to go into it even more and explore yeah. and mm -hmm. find and all this. And on one level, all these tools we have should make the exploration easier. But it also like I guess in what you're opposite. saying, like it makes it. Yeah, it makes the exploration disjointed. Yeah. And it makes it you can just jump on something else and get it or even think about like the idea of consuming music. Like I'm a right. vinyl dude. Well, vinyl make you do. Right. Unless, I mean, you know, maybe maybe they don't have the same recreational activities I do. But sometimes, man, I, like, I ain't trying to listen to one song and get up and have to flip this thing over again. Right. You make me listen to the whole album. You yeah, I'm going to have to ride out till I get to song four. And you know what happens the fifth time I do that? I realize I like song three a little more than mm -hmm. I thought I did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, maybe like the, like 300 is a good movie. Yeah. You're talking about quality, Bo. Like maybe they're not listening to music as much because music doesn't compel you as much as it once did yeah that could be a result of there being a lack of quality music like we're talking about j cole kendrick you know what i'm saying like drake being the top three like yeah but like how many times are you gonna listen to them yeah you feel me and then you got to go find other rappers that maybe speak to the things that you that you fucking with you know what i mean yeah. and how often do they drop like i love vince vince drops you know like how often does vince drop you know what i'm saying like it we don't have like like attention span is there's a there's a, there's an aspect of that for sure because we would sit with an album for three months. You know what I mean? We don't do that no more. But I'm stuck with some albums for thirty years. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, right. for sure. You feel what I'm saying? Nobody, yeah. they, people don't do that no more. But I mean, it could be a result of there being a lack of quality as well, which is talking about how it's just too easy to get into this motherfucking game, dog. You oh, yeah. know what I mean? Also, music ain't a solo thing, and so now that you can make it all yourself, that's not good. Mm. 
right? Like, like getting a bunch of people together. Like anybody that's ever been in a studio with a bunch of people working together, it's a different kind of energy, man. Like the thing mm -hmm. I loved about working on game theory was just having all those people in there. Somebody throws this, somebody throws that. Then all of a sudden we kind of get this, you know, you get a thing going, somebody hears the right thing. Like I was watching the, uh, the Beatles, uh, the Peter Jackson doc from the, uh, from the let it be sessions it's nine hours mm -hmm. it's not really exciting to watch unless you're a person who makes content but watching like those eureka moments happen you gotta mm -hmm. you do that by people being in a room that ain't that ain't that ain't the world now you know what i'm saying it's them and a computer yeah. you know what i mean and it's not going through those filters of all those people you know what i'm saying getting the the the, the best ideas out you feel me right it's him, the step person, deciding based upon their tastes alone. Right, and so. having a bass player that thinks like a bass player, right? A guitar player right, that right. thinks like a guitar player, whatever it is. And it just it just gets you to different spaces. And so it's good that we can do so many of these things easily, but we got to encourage people to do some stuff that really, you know, takes effort and sacrifice. Yeah. Well, um, that, you, you know, I, I was going to say... um. I do think that everyone having access to put their music out there, I think that is a good thing. Like, I still do not want to sure. go back to gatekeeping and, and you, you know, for fucking, sure. Fucking, oh, no, you know, I do. A and, and, I do. You, you do. You want to go back to A&R's deciding who we should hear? No, I don't necessarily want to go back to A&R's deciding who we hear per se, <laughs> but I do want to go back to, say, a functioning music press that does a proper job. Oh, 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 if we're talking about music journalism, I'm all for gatekeeping. Yeah, you need to have lived experience with the shit you write yeah. about on, when it comes to rap. Theory, the, and in theory, the A&R should be able to do this job also, right? So, like, being able to put it out, yeah, there's a value. I do think there's a value to being able to skip over, like, the production element of it, right? I'm with you there. Okay, we talk about two different levels. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like I said, I, <laughs> I am for sure um, on the side of we should gatekeep who who gets to you know comment on this culture. I absolutely yes. do believe that. Absolutely for do sure. believe that. But I do think that I do not want fucking A and R's from fucking Vermont telling us you know what what young black artists we should hear. No, I do. I if never want that. You don't again. know the meaning of dope. What he's looking for? <laughs> for a super rapper that's cleaner than a bar of soap. <laughs> Yes. First of all, who's your A&R? Mount Palmer, who, who plays an electric guitar? Yeah. Actually, yeah, yes. Exactly. That's exactly, that's that's exactly, exactly who I yeah, We don't need those guys know. anymore. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but yeah. Um, You know, I, I don't think it's a problem of the game being diluted, quote unquote. It just feels like everyone kind of has the same energy. Like, we need some new energy. We need some disruptive shit, you know, to go back to what Dion lied to us about. We need, we need Dion Sanders to drop an <laughs> right? album right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we need some. Be, 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 because, you know, it's it's, 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 it's like I talked about with, with Kiana. I hated the Snap era. And then we had the blog era that came and saved us from that, where we had all this new energy, all these new artists being able to put their shit out without any fucking gatekeeping there. Like, I feel like that made me fall back in love again, you know, with rap after I really wasn't digging it for about three years or so. So I like I said I don't think it's a problem with with with, with being diluted. I just think we need some new um fucking um you know energy. Yo, that era was a perfect middle ground when you think about it because it's the accessibility to put the music out, but with the sensibilities in terms of making mm -hmm. the music of the previous time, right? Like every now and then you have those collisions where the technology comes out and it's just fresh enough, but you still got like whatever the old school sentiment is, like basically the entirety of the 1970s when it comes to music. Like now you can do all these things, but it's all the people that had to learn how to do it when you couldn't do all those things. Right. And so they brought that right. grind and then it just boomed and explodes. Then you got all these people like, wow, it's so easy to do all these things. Look at this. I just pressed the boom. There's a whole beat. Yeah. Why, why am I working on trying to figure out how to make a different kind of beat when boom, 
Right. I just press the button. Right. 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 Well, that was that was a fast ass uh, hour and something, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with us, Bo. Uh, appreciate <laughs> yeah, yeah. you. Long overdue, man. Appreciate we should have been at you on this motherfucker. We should have been at this, this for so. The, the homies got to realize I got y'all. These other people, I be sending them through Lance, <laughs> but you know the homies. Like, yeah, 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 I'm always down to to make a little something happen, man. I I said I ain't know if I wasn't allowed to come on, you know. Oh, oh hell no, bro! <laughs> shit, we thought you were so big time to fuck with us. We be on here, bro. You be on here, Tyler. You be on here, Tyler. We're holding up. All right, yes, no, that's exactly. No, I, it, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to fuck up the Disney money. Oh no, you, me, you know what I'm saying? Disney something. Disney, ain't, Disney ain't care what the hell I did in so long. Like this is something that's interesting to watch, man. You know, I don't work there anymore, but uh, you, you pay attention to it. Man, we everywhere now. Like the people that's like you, people who are still there are everywhere. Like somebody has decided, hey man, we ain't got time to worry about that stuff no more. Okay, that's that's the only reason I was like, yeah, I don't want to fuck up the Disney money, oh, you know. No. You feel me? So, but yeah, I, we always appreciate you coming on. Is, is that the periodic table in the background? An it artistic is, version of it? Kind of. It is the periodic table of David Bowie. It is a uh, an illustration of the various influences on Bowie and Bowie's influences on the rest of the world done via a periodic table. Interesting. That's the Bowie, man. Interesting dude. I, I feel like we, me and uh, we've had conversations about Bowie. Where we, where we we try to put John on in the group chat, bro. Oh, do 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 do. I've tapped in a little bit, but I just ain't you know I just ain't okay. all the way stuck. This, but yeah, this is, yeah. This is what I tell you because the tricky thing about Bowie is which Bowie you get could mean eight every, or nine every album days. is like a different era for Bowie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Which well, Bowie should I, as a forty-year-old man, you know what I'm saying, no, no, tap got, into to get me all the way connected? You know what I mean? What you need to do though. There is a doc on Max called Moon Age Daydream. It's Brett Morgan's Bowie documentary, and it's in mm -hmm. typical Brett Morgan fashion. One of those with no, it's all archival, and so mm -hmm. it is a run from like the late '60s to the early '90s of Bowie, and it starts off with this quote. I think it's Bowie, but if, yeah, I think it's Bowie's quote itself. It's like basically what happens with people with man is that man tries to figure out what it is in life that matters, and then you look around and realize that actually none of it matters, and you then decide why to keep going. Mm. And that's the initial premise, and then it goes through the Ziggy Stardust era and all this stuff and everything else. All of that to say, I bet me knowing you and the way you think about the world, once you watch that, then you come holler at me. I see if I can help you out with a playlist or two, and we get you. For sure. So, but that'll I, get me to fuck with the man that was David Bowie. Yes. That'll get me interested in the music, music, music that he makes. Dude. Right, yeah. right, right. I told I told John it's happening with young Americans. I was like, you know, that is like the blue eye song. And I era. liked it. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, he, he had you Luther know singing background on that yes. album, though. Right, right. That's yeah, yeah. I, like I, I tap into like for for people who are coming from that position, young Americans. Let's dance, which I just think that people try to act like how cool they are to act like let's dance isn't fucking incredible. It is. That's mm -hmm. the Nile Rodgers joint, and it is fucking bananas. And the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars are basically you create Alien Jesus and tell an opera <laughs> that makes basically the rise and fall of Alien Jesus. Alien yeah. Jesus, excuse me. Alien Genius, also yeah. Alien Jesus, but you know, just want to get a shit. Yeah. I I think the thing is, I need to buy the record. That because I, I think if I'm sitting like you like you talked about sitting down listening, mm -hmm. but I also think it feels different listening to albums on a record. Yes. Like I, I it feels closer to probably how they meant it to be heard. You know what I'm saying? At least in that time period, certain albums. And so I think I need to do that. But I'm gonna watch the documentary. I'm gonna let you, you know, make, send me a playlist. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you to tell me which 
album I should buy, and I'm gonna sit down and listen to the record because I think th- I will connect with that shit more. You can feel the spirit of the music better in vinyl to me. Oh, vinyl than just it? digital. Yeah. We can you know do what I'm saying? Whole hour on the vinyl situation. You feel like you're in the yeah. I mean, I mean, I, 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 I buy. I only buy vinyls. Obviously, don't buy CDs and shit. But if I'm buying something, it's obviously a vinyl. It bro. feels you like you're in the mean? room. Like that's right. the biggest right. difference. It feels like you're in it, the room. It feels warm. I, you know what I it mean? Does. Like, it does. It embraces you. The I, music I embraces you on vinyl. And I think in those in certain particular in particular periods, you know what I mean? That's how they wanted it to be heard. They took yeah. those cracks and that that sound into consideration when they made that music. And so it's better to listen in vinyl in those in that period. Yeah, it's it's mastered so. for that technology. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like that's the sound. Everything else is trying to adapt the sound files that you have for the technology on board. That is maximized and, the, and optimized for that stuff. And I think like like Dolby Digital doesn't sound as good with certain shit. It just doesn't. I want to feel music. You don't feel digital music. You Correct. know what I mean? So, Correct. Yeah. Well, thanks again hey. for hopping on. Right, <laughs> we got into some weird shit. Bro, we can go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is nah, fun man. as fuck, man. Appreciate you fun for as real, fuck, my fun boy. as fuck. Nah, no problem, you, man. man. I got once I get back off the ground, I gotta see if we can, you know, we do a little reciprocation on this, make it happen. Hey, oh, you already know, bro. Good. So you already know, my boy. All right, man. Y'all take it easy. All right, All right. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.